Guess who's back? Back again. That one dude is back. That's right. Week 11. That one dude. And what we are going to do, it's very special because next week we might actually have two that one dudes, a little sneak peek at the Thanksgiving schedule. But we have to get through this week first. And oh my God, we might have alphas, a couple of alphas as that one dudes this week. Sal, what do you mean? How can good players be that one dudes? Well, because other good players are picking up a ton of ownership or because some running back slash tight end slash kick returners are actually picking up ownership at the quarterback position now. Shout out Taysom Hill. Shout out some other guys that are lower price that are picking up ownership like PJ Walker at the quarterback position. So it's kind of filtering out a lot of the top end quarterbacks. And sure, based on Friday's show, and I'm sure based on Sunday's Patreon Closing Thoughts podcast, we're not going to have interest in every single priced up quarterback, but at their specific ownership metrics. I think I'm going to start to gather some interest. But what we do here in this That One Do video, it's different than what anybody else is doing in the industry. Of course, you need your videos at the beginning of the week and your podcast about the waiver wire and the early stuff on the DFS slate, right? I cover some of that stuff. But let's be honest, it's it's a drag when that's all that you're listening to is the same conventional stuff every single week on every single podcast. So I figured this season, and we started it last year, and now we brought it back this year, That One Dude, picking a guy at every single position that I think is a nice ownership leverage point at the position itself. So we go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight ends. And if you've been watching this, you know, don't not even ask me about them defenses because I do not flat out give a shit about the defenses. This is how you pick defenses. You put their name on a piece of paper. You put all the defenses name on a piece of paper. You throw it in your washing machine. You spin cycle it for a minute and then you pick one out. If it's below $2,500, you keep it. If not, you throw it out and then you do it all again. That's how you pick your defenses. There you go. But we're going to start this bad boy off going with the quarterback position. But before we do, of course, of course, if you're enjoying this content, if you're enjoying all the content we put out this week, and if you're brand new here, be sure to check it out because it's going to be the best information that you find in this space without a doubt. No match in the YouTube streets. I can guarantee you for that for the DFS slate that you're going to get as much information. Bang for your buck. The free information here on YouTube. Smack you with it. Please do hit the like button. Big old subscribe button pops up because we are pushing very closely to 33,000 subscribers and this community is fantastic. I appreciate you all a ton. The sponsor of today's show as I will be showing you on screen the projections and the ownership and rankings and all this stuff from my Patreon, but I'll also be showing projections for Superdraft for these individual players that I'm talking about. The sponsor is Superdraft. If you use my name, Sal, S-A-L, they will give you for free money bonus up to a thousand, a thousand dollar rooskies. That's right. 50% deposit match up to a thousand dollar rooskies in a slow drip format. What Superdraft is, is a multiplier format. So as I look at my projections on the other screen here, ownership projections, rankings, a bunch of other stuff is on my Patreon link down below. You can check it out. But basically right now there's a one X multiplier, let's say on Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers goes out and scores 20 points this week, you multiply that by one X his multiplier and he scores 20 points. But if you want to look at some guys a little bit further down, you see these guys like Alex Smith. So if Alex Smith was to go out today and score 10 fantasy points, he has a 1.7x multiplier. So he'd actually be given 17 fantasy points. So his terrible performance looks pretty comparable to the guys up top in terms of Aaron Rodgers because of his multiplier. So it's very projection heavy, as you can see, and you can check it all out. Link down below, promo code SAL, S-A-L. We'll get you that free money bonus, and we have some tools on Patreon as well. So let's start this bad boy off with the quarterback position. And if you've been following my content, if you know the showdown there, insider jokes, and if not, don't worry, you're about to learn a little bit more about it. But this man is always that one dude. This man is that one dude of football of all time. And now he gets to bless our hearts right here. Shout out the South with being that one dude for the NFL week 11 slate. And his name is none other than the GOAT himself, Aaron Rodgers. Now Aaron Rodgers is going to have a minus two pass blocking advantage versus the Colts who are ranked 12th overall this year in overall pressure rate. That's fine. I like it. David Bakhtiari is back and healthy. We're going to have no issues with the offensive line in my opinion. You're going to get 35 attempts per game and 5.6 deep attempts per game, meaning that you're getting all the upside in the world as MVS can attest to as of last week and Aaron Rodgers throwing down Second most out of any quarterback this season and averaging 286 passing yards is sixth overall. Having a 
borderline MVP type season, averaging 8.2 yards per attempt, tied for fifth in the NFL, and number one in true completion rate. Aaron Rodgers right now is on an absolute tear these last four weeks. His worst finish is quarterback five in week eight over the last month with 22 and a half fantasy points. He has basically finished top 10 every single week and three top five quarterback finishes in a row. And now we see his DraftKings price after scoring damn near 30 fantasy points last year go from $7,900 to $7,000 rookies. Yeah, you could be damn sure that I'm liking that. He gets a nice matchup against the Colts, who in my opinion are an overrated team. I talked about this, I believe, on the Wednesday show, but the Colts schedule and their secondary in the first couple weeks of the season, everybody was saying, Xavier Rhodes is back. Xavier Rhodes, defensive comeback player of the year and all this stuff. And I was saying, okay, he does look good. Let's hold our horses here and see what we're actually going to be getting as they start to face some good teams. Because they got to face the Jaguars week one, where Gardner Minshew threw 20 times and nothing at all downfield. They got to face the Vikings week two, where Justin Jefferson wasn't starting and it was Ola Beasy Johnson as the wide receiver two in the field. And they got the Bears week four and Nick Foles throwing for less than six yards per attempt. And then the Browns, an actual good team, starts to put up points on them. 32 points, attacks their secondary. And then the Bengals, an actual good team with wide receivers, at least if we're talking about in terms of talent at the wide receiver position, puts up 27 points on them. Wide receivers do well. And then they get to face the Lions without Kenny Galladay. Okay, so you're facing Marvin Jones and, and Marvin Hall. Well, Marvin Hall goes for over 100 yards, Marvin Jones a couple of touchdowns. So, okay, you're starting to face some good wide receivers and the bat in the secondary of Rock Sin, Rakia Sin, and Xavier Rhodes starts to fall apart. They face the Ravens, who have no wide receivers at all. Hollywood Brown and that team does not throw. The number one run heavy team, the Titans, the number five run heavy team. They have not faced a team like the Packers. And if there's a team comparable to the Packers in terms of how much that they're going to be passing this year, I mean, it's not there. The Browns want to run the ball. The Bengals want to pass the ball. That would be the comparison team. And the Bengals were able to put up 27 fantasy points and attack through the air with Joe Burrow throwing for over 300 yards in that game. You had T. Higgins going for over 125. Even A.J. Green, the dust of himself, had went for 8 and 96 in that game as well. Overall, three wide receivers going for 50 or more yards, two averaging over 100 yards in that game. So yeah, it's going to be a good spot, in my opinion, for Aaron Rodgers and his pass catchers, as this will be the toughest test yet for what I think is a fake and fraudulent secondary of the Indianapolis Colts. But Sal, what does Aaron Rodgers rank, and why do you have him right now as that one do? What is his ownership percentage? Well, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to come in around 6 to 8% owned, but then Taysom Hill opened up, who's very cheap, and that's sucking down some of the ownership to people punting the position or punting in GPPs with some Saints stacks. And right now, I have Aaron Rodgers projecting out for around 5% ownership, but I think this number is going to drop even more as more and more ownership comes in on P.J. Walker, both of the quarterbacks at $4,800, the backups who are now starters, P.J. Walker for the Panthers and New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill. So at 22 fantasy points, I have Aaron Rodgers projected out right around like my second or third highest projected quarterback this week at a very fair price point of $7,000. Now, I'm not as intrigued, as you can see on the screen, all these projections. I'm not as intrigued on Superdraft due to him being the only quarterback with a 1x multiplier. But on DraftKings, I like it a lot. I have him as a B in cash. I probably don't get there in cash now that we have cheaper options to punt, but this is a GPP show. I have him a B as a B in GPPs. And if he continues to go lower on, say, 2 or 3% by tomorrow morning, I'll continue to update on Patreon. Be sure to join down below on Patreon. Join the community. Welcome to the team. Battle up and get ready for war while everybody else is not going to war with the same information. If you're not going to war with some sort of information, projections, rankings, ownership, a bunch of other analysis, 20 pages of game by game notes, and you are literally facing people that are, that's like shout out to Queen's Gambit. If you're playing your first or second game of chess and these people have been studying for years, you're just never going to beat those people long term. Maybe one of you will get fluky in a win here or there. The Patreons are absolute uh, DFS soldiers out there, daily fantasy soldiers with the amount of equipment and information that they have to schmack everybody else around with. So if you want to join that community and actually have an upper hand, uh, be shooting down on your opponents on top of a hill instead of walking around like a sitting duck, well, you can join Patreon down below, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. How about that? How about that for a little bit of a plug? Man, 
It doesn't get any better than that. The marketing team of Sal Vetri must love that one. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers right now looks like, in my opinion, a top two or three quarterback to stack this week. I will be doing my final runs of over 150 lineup builds tomorrow. We can talk about it on YouTube, talk about it on Patreon, but he looks like one of the best stacking options as of right now. I think a lot of people won't get there because of how cheap there's some other options because there are some really good quarterback options in terms of Matt Ryan team environment. Deshaun Watson will always look like a good quarterback if he's going to be as cheap as he is this week. But people are forgetting about Aaron Rodgers and his stacks. Getting back Alan Lazard is also going to be huge for this team. So your stacking options here for Aaron Rodgers in groups, I'll be putting Devontae Adams, who if you get to Aaron Rodgers now, it doesn't matter if Devontae Adams is 20% owned in one of, if not the highest owned wide receivers, because Aaron Rodgers is not owned and you're becoming unique. Alan Lazard would be my second option in that stack at a fair price point. And actually Robert Tonyan would be my third option over MVS, who MVS price point is coming up, who's relying on some deep shots or unreliable touchdowns, three touchdowns in the past two weeks and two on two targets two weeks ago against 49ers and Thursday night football. I'd prefer Alan Lazard coming back at a cheaper price point, who's more involved on the outside and now MVS might move to the slot, limiting his big play upside. And then Robert Tonian just a punt at 3,200, who's actually seeing some usage downfield. So Mr. Aaron Rodgers is our that one dude at the quarterback position. We now move into our that one dude at the running back position, who is yet again another quote unquote stud, but has not been playing like a stud over the last month or so of the season. This man is coming off of a bye week and he actually gets his backup quarterback back now instead of having his third and fourth string quarterbacks out there. So maybe this helps move the offense a little bit more. But this man has not topped 10 fantasy points. It actually has not topped nine fantasy points over the last month month and he has a buy in there. So the last three weeks of NFL play, the man's name is Ezekiel Elliott. Bam. As this picture pops up on the screen right now, you can see Ezekiel Elliott popping up and yeah, he's been anything but reliable. And he's been one of the rare running backs that has stayed healthy this year. I mean, basically it's just been Derrick Henry at the top and Alvin Kamara for the top end running backs this year. We've lost McCaffrey. We've lost Mixon to an extent. We've lost Saquon. We've lost Eckler, right? We've lost all these running backs. Josh Jacobs, maybe one of those other guys who stayed relatively healthy at the top end in terms of fantasy drafts. And he's just not producing well because his quarterback's gone. I mean, look at him the first couple of weeks of the season 28 fantasy points 22 18 18 and a half 24 and then Dak gets hurt in that week five game he basically goes from being a top 10 every single week lock him in running back and borderline top five in most of those weeks to then his best performance being in week six when he did have Andy Dalton out there keep that in mind he scores 12 fantasy points now 12 fantasy points is not going to get it done for you but he did run 27 routes in that game and he was targeted by Andy Dalton 11 times in that game having eight receptions for 80 yards I mean he had Ben DiNucci come in after Andy Dalton got hurt in week seven he only scores six fantasy points as Ben DiNucci doesn't target him. And then in week eight, he comes out and he sees Ben DiNucci for a full game of play. And that was probably the worst quarterback performance I've ever seen in my lifetime. And Ben DiNucci on Sunday Night Football against the Eagles. And you get Ezekiel Elliott seeing 21 opportunities, seeing 20 touches, but just 73 yards. And he was only targeted twice by Ben DiNucci for 8.3 fantasy points. And then last week in just a brutal matchup, something you really can't knock him for, he sees his second lowest snaps of the season at 67%, but still sees 21 opportunities and 20 touches, three targets, 69 total yards. He has not found the end zone now in a month of the season. And this is going to be now you get the return of Andy Dalton. So Gilbert and Ben DiNucci did not help him at all. I don't think that Andy Dalton is fantastic, but let's just say Dak Prescott on a 10 rating is an eight out of 10 quarterback, right? And let's just say that Ben DiNucci is a negative three out of 10 quarterback and that Gilbert is like a three or two out of 10 quarterback. I would say that Andy Dalton slides somewhere between like a five, a five and a six. That's going to be a big bump up. The last time that we saw Zeke actually scoring double digit fantasy points again was week six against Arizona, where he saw 11 targets to Dalton. That's nice to see that Dalton will check it down. It's nice to see that Dalton will check it down. And then this week, a positive 
15% run blocking advantage versus Minnesota, who has a tw- number 22 overall defense. Like I mentioned, he has not scored now in four weeks. He has been below nine fantasy points in three straight weeks, but he's still getting the work. In his last two games before the bye week, 42 opportunities, exactly 21 opportunities in each of those games. That is good to see. He's still running a ton of routes and he's actually healthy. I think Ezekiel Elliott, who I currently have projecting out now is about six or 7% owned, is going to be a strong leverage play, especially since a lot of people are dumping their ownership from DeAndre Swift and just now going all the way up to Dalvin Cook. People are dumping their ownership from DeAndre Swift right onto Mike Davis and onto Duke Johnson and to an extent onto like James Robinson and Miles Sanders. And nobody wants to go to Zeke because of how tainted his name has been over the last month. You can see my projection for Ezekiel Elliott right now. I mean, it's not standout. It's 15 fantasy points, but relative to other guys picking up more ownership than him, it's similar to Miles Sanders projection for me. It's similar to Antonio Gibson's. It's more than Antonio Gibson's, more than Giovanni Bernard and JD McKissick. And these guys are coming in with higher ownership. It is not similar, but it's close enough to James Robinson. It's more than Kalen Balaj. It's similar to Duke Johnson. And I guess that some of these guys are cheaper than him, but he's going to be projected out for similar usage. And if he actually finds the end zone, well, then it's a smash spot, in my opinion, for a 20 plus point performance in the making for Ezekiel Elliott. So you're telling me that you can get a beast in Ezekiel Elliott at $6,500. This is a guy that we're normally paying $8,000 for when Dak Prescott is healthy, $75,000, $8,000 for. I'm not saying Andy Dalton is Dak Prescott. I'm saying that this probably makes Zeke now like a $7,300 running back and not a $6,500 running back like he was with Gilbert and Ben DiNucci. So Ezekiel Elliott, as you can see, the projections and stuff on the screen is my that one dude at the running back position, but it's now move to the wide receiver position, which as always is going to be loaded. And this week is where you're going to find a lot, a lot of your value. So my that one due to the wide receiver position, we're also going to have a sneak peek. We do a punt each and every week and our punt will be at the wide receiver position as well this week. Last week, I believe our punt was, uh, Jakeem Grant was either our punt or our that one dude. Either way, ended up paying off for us. The whole discord on the patrons went crazy after he scored the touchdown after Devontae Parker's was overturned. I was on a walk track in the game, but I didn't even have to track the game to see once I got all the notifications from the discord popping off that it was Jakeem Grant time. Fire emoji. Might have had to buy a jersey as he saved my week last week might still have to buy a jersey for Jakeem Grant but we're going to retire his that one dude performances we're going to let another man take the spot of the punt play of this week of a wide receiver in that low 3k range but before we get there are that one dude wide receiver for this week a man that has just been hampered by bad weather these last couple of weeks I mean this man is somebody that after you saw the injury to his teammate Odell and I buried the lead a little bit the well, that one dude to the wide receiver position is going to be Jarvis Landry I mean after you saw that injury to Odell Jarvis Landry goes out there and sees a bunch of targets he sees a decent game he scores over 10 fantasy points and then he has back-to-back bad weather games against Vegas where he's 11 targets one of which should have been a touchdown three red zone targets one that should have been a touchdown was one of those plays when when you go to the ground in the end zone it bobbles a little bit and they overturn it it was a bang bang call it could have gone either way i said it should have been a touchdown because i owned him that week and then week 10 against houston back to back the worst weather games of the year that's what cleveland has been involved in by far week eight was terrible and that was arguably the worst weather game and pretty clearly the worst weather game of the entire season and you got to see the season low in snaps at 60.7 as they just ran the heck out of the ball and didn't want to throw because there was 40 mile per hour wins so over the last let's just say three weeks because you take it to the bye week this entire Cleveland team in the passing game that is is underpriced because of them having a buy and going into two bad weather games it makes it seem like their bad performances are indicative of their future projections which is not the case in my opinion so the DraftKings algorithm is underpricing them Baker Mayfield well I don't have interest in but he's underpriced Rashad Higgins he's definitely underpriced because he's actually their guy that's going downfield and the weather's going to impact him the most but Jarvis Landry at $5,500 in my opinion he should be about a 6k wide receiver and he's still getting the usage on a team that barely threw last week he still saw over a 20% target share with five targets the week before that before their bye week in a bad weather game. He sees 11 targets in those three red zone targets. This week, he'll have a matchup against LeBlanc, who will see a positive 25% matchup advantage. That's very good to see. He has a 22.8% target share, and he has an 18% red zone target share, which is actually encouraging to see. Expect that number to grow even more 
with OBJ now done for the season. A 64% contested catch rate is top 15. And again, the weather has been impacting and altering this Cleveland Browns passing game, including Jarvis Landry. He's going to be our that one due to the wide receiver position because he's currently coming in at sub 5% ownership, right around 5%. And I think that he should be more than that. As we finish it up with the tight end and in the punt position, please do hit that like button and the subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast, a chance to win $50. Even if you're watching on YouTube, you can go on your phone right now, go over to the podcast version. It's Stitcher for Android devices. It's the Apple or iTunes podcast app for your Apple devices, your iPhones. You type in the Salvetry Show, you click follow or subscribe on whatever platform. You can use Spotify if you want to, but then you can leave a review on Stitcher or on the Apple podcast store just saying something nice about the show the salvage show five stars say something nice the show is good bang 30 seconds of your time a minute of your time at most and you're entered into a raffle to win 50 dollars. just leave a chance for me to contact you i pick somebody each sunday that leaves a chance for me to contact them and the podcast that's the best way to grow it word of mouth marketing and reviews so more people can actually see it in the charts so thank you in advance for that and now our that one dude at the tight end position pops up on the screen right now shout out penn state got to meet him there i got the jersey on or i got the shirt on right now bang rough year for penn state just absolutely brutal year but he's not there anymore so mike is set his likely matchup against Alexander Johnson is a minus 2% matchup. He's played the third most snaps out of the slot. Now this whole offseason, he played last year the most snaps out of the slot out of any tight end. Isaiah Ford was just traded recently to the New England Patriots, who was their starting slot receiver. Jakeem Grant has been playing the slot, but also the outside receiver now as they go to more two tight end sets. Well, because you saw Preston Williams go down. So they're putting now him on the outside because they don't want to be putting Matt Collins on the field or Malcolm Perry, who's a rookie who used to be a quarterback in college for like Army or Navy. I believe it was Navy, one of those programs. So they don't really want to be putting those guys on the field as much. They just want to run the ball, not have two or throw 30 times as you've seen for the first three games. But then also they want to put Mike Gusecki in the slot when they actually need to, which is what you're seeing right now. He has the seventh highest route participation, seeing a 22% red zone target share. He's also seen a red zone look so far from Tua, so that's good to see. He's second in completed air yards and third in unrealized air yards. A lot of that is with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it was nice to see last week that Tua, 79 air yards to Mike Gusecki, was the second highest of the entire season that Mike Gusecki has seen this year. The week before that, 39 was not as great, but he at least saw four targets. Gusecki has been involved with Tua. We just now are not seeing the touchdowns yet. He's seen nine targets so far from Tua. I mean, basically you're seeing Devontae Parker see a little bit more than that. And then Jakeem Grant has 10 over the last couple of weeks. So Gusecki's right neck and neck with the highest target share on this entire team since Tua took over a couple of weeks back. He's averaging 15.5 yards per reception, which is first amongst all tight ends. So it's nice to see the big play upside downfield. The best thing about it is he's going to come in right now. I have him at about two or 3% ownership in our Patreon projections. So Mike Gusecki, as you can see my projection form on the screen, 8.8 fantasy points. And if I'm being honest with you, I basically only have right now one player over 10 fantasy points in my projection at tight end Two, one guy's exactly at 10. So two guys at or above 10. And then everybody else is basically for the most part, the guys up top are between eight and a half and nine and a half fantasy points. So Gusecki's sandwich right in between there. So there's no reason why he can't be one of those guys as he's running a lot of routes. He's running downfield routes. And now he's getting more involved with his quarterback going from four to five targets in the first two weeks as two has been starting. And at this point, if you're just looking at it, if you filter my Patreon projections, and if you were to filter this projection with all the other ones, basically just filter it by value. And you see that Mike Gusecki pops up a little bit further down that because he is somewhat expensive, but then you start to see that everybody around him is picking up a lot of ownership. The value on Mark Andrews is picking up a ton of ownership. Mike Gusecki is literally picking up like right now, less than 1% ownership in my model. I think that will go up to around 2% once final ownership runs come in, but guys around him are picking up more ownership. Even Jared Cook, Noah Fant, Robert Tonyan, Eric Ebron, all these guys are picking up more ownership and it projected out for basically the same amount of points. So why not just take the chance on the lower owned guy? Mike Gusecki will be our that one dude. We try and find a guy below 5% at tight end. It's Mike Gusecki this week who is seeing the usage and it was 
was nice to see that downfield usage last week, 79 air yards, second most on the year yet again, like I said, with two. And now it's for the time of the show where we're going to punt the position. We've had, had some success with these punts this year, whether it was Irv Smith, whether it was Harrison Bryan in terms of the tight ends in the past at minimum price. We've had a success punting, I think, Anthony Fersker one week, and we ended up getting lucky because John o. Smith got hurt and he ended up pulling up 100 yards. Shout out John o. Smith, though. We don't want to wish injury upon anybody. But to close this thing up, we're going to be going to the wide receiver position to punt right now at $3,300. A man on the New York Jets. Yes, I know the New York Jets, but getting Joe Flacco in there, which has actually been much more beneficial for fantasy than Sam Darnold. And to close up the show, that man will be Denzel Mims. Now, the concern is if Mims' ownership keeps coming up, I have him around 5 or 6%. As a minimum price receiver, if this was to hit double digits, it's more of a fade than a play. But we are starting to see some very good usage for Denzel Mims. So Denzel Mims is just 3.3K. He's seeing six targets per game on a 26% target share, and he is playing over 20% out of the slot, averaging 49 yards per game. Now, he might actually see a negative matchup versus Casey Hayward for at least part of this game. Hayward is struggling this year. He's allowing just a 43% catch rate, but Mims moves all over the field. I don't think it'll be a shadow matchup at all. So I think this will still be fine, especially when he moves into the slot. Now, Mims has been slowly coming on, and he's slowly seeing more and more air yards, especially with Joe Flacco. Now, in week seven, he didn't see much. He had to face Tredavious White for a lot of the game, still saw seven targets. He caught four for 42 yards, but only 18 air yards. Nothing down field, Trey White basically shut him down. But then more recently with Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco starting to target a little bit more downfield. Gave him 54 air yards in week eight against Brashad Breeland. He played 95% of the snaps this week. And then last week was basically his breakout week. He saw some JC Jackson. There was no Gilmore against New England. So he also saw some Jason McCourty. When I say last week, I do mean the week before that because they had the bye, I believe last week in week 10. But in week nine, he plays 100% of the snaps. He sees a season and career high eight targets and he ends up seeing 139 air yards from Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco in all three of his starts this year has thrown for over 300 air yards in each of them. That is going to help Rashad Perriman a ton, but it's also going to help Denzel Mims a ton. Now coming off of his best game of 10.2 fantasy points and a season high career high four targets, season high career high tied with four receptions and 62 yards the most in the season was good to see. I mean, if you get heck 10.2 fantasy points at that price point of 3.3k, you're fine with that. You'll take that. You'll run with that in cash. You'll run with that in GPPs. That is very good. But the fact that he saw 139 air yards, one of the highest marks, top five of week nine, that's encouraging to say that this guy actually has the potential to full out smash a slate with four for a hundred, four for a hundred and a touchdown, something of those along those lines. If indeed Joe Flacco is going to be targeting downfield, so Denzel Mims is indeed somebody that I like. If I move over to the wide receiver position and find Denzel Mims in our overall values, you're going to see that he basically pops all the way up to the top because of his $3,300 price tag. I have him projected for 9.6 fantasy points. A 2.91 value is the highest in my model for wide receivers, but it makes him a B minus in cash. We can't put him as a B or a B plus. I mean, he's on the Jets right now and he's a cheap receiver that's going to pick up some ownership and he's on the Jets right now, right? With Joe Flacco, a lot of things can go wrong here, but we're going to put him a B minus in cash because of the price and a B minus in GBPs. The reason he's not higher in GBPs is because there are some other viable pivots around him, like a Jakeem Graham, like a Jalen Guyton, like a Keelan Cole now with Nola Vizquez Chenault or Chris Conley. Like there's other viable pivots if indeed he starts to pick up ownership. So that's why he's not a B or B plus, but that's where we're at. That is a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and a punt. Aaron Rodgers, Ezekiel Elliott, Jarvis Landry, Mike Gusecki, and Denzel Mims are at below or around 5% projected ownership. And I think that they have some upside and are nice leverages at their position or in their specific game environments, whatever it might be. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hit that like and subscribe button. You can check out all the rest of my content that went up this week and a ton is about to drop for Thanksgiving. So be sure to be notified of all that by subscribing and hitting that notification bell helps me out a ton on this YouTube channel. Support the sponsor of the show, Superdraft and Superdraft right now. You can see all my projections linked down below on Patreon. We'll also discuss Superdraft on Sunday's Patreon show and the Sunday YouTube show, the live stream tomorrow at 10 a.m. East Coast time. But Superdraft promo code SAL, if you're not already over there, somebody's won $25,000. Every single slate that we have done, whether 
whether it's the main slate or the showdown slates, I get a screenshot of people winning money, whether it's first or second place on these showdown slates, whether it's winning $25,000 rookies, the big prize pools on the main slate. Be sure to take advantage of this because professionals are not playing over there. They're playing on DraftKings, they're playing on FanDuel, they're playing on Yahoo, they're playing on sports betting and sports betting props and things like that. They're not putting their time on Super Draft. They just don't have that time. So be sure to check it out before people start to get that time because the prize pools get big enough. So get in there early, get in there right now so you can take advantage of your edge and your ROI, your return on investment being the greatest that it ever will be today on Superdraft. Promo code SAL gets you that bonus money up to $1,000 Ruskies. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow on the live stream. Peace out, gang, and enjoy the rest of your weekend.